the puppy dogger. Welcome back to the BDSM show. That's Billy and Devo Talk Sports and Manliness, the official podcast of the newly reinvigorated FoulWeatherFans.com. As usual, I'm Billy. I'm Devo. I put the D in BDSM. Uh, you can find us where uh, we have a, a big link on the FoulWeatherFans.com main page. If you look on the right there, um, we can find us on Facebook.com slash BDSM show. Uh, also on Twitter at BDSM Show, so check us out. Um, Billy, let's jump right into fantasy football. We only have two weeks left of fantasy football, thank God. Um, thank God. And well, you have more as, weeks left. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, fantasy football's over. Yeah. Because I can't even, like, adjust my roster. Like, I get the little notification that Denard Robinson hurt his foot and he's going to be held out for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's stuck. He uh, I don't even know why. I'm going to uninstall the Yahoo app today, probably. Oh, you know, we can use that to play fantasy baseball. You know, you think you'll be good at fantasy baseball? Uh, I no. Maybe, nope. it's just, maybe it's just fantasy football is not your thing. Uh, maybe, like, I don't know. When you do fantasy baseball, do you just do, like, the throwers or the hitters or what do you... You do, uh, you do everything. You got, you got your batting catchers. lineup and, and... Oh, yeah, yeah, batting, yeah. You select each position, and then you've got oh, sounds... a couple starting pitchers, a couple relief pitchers. That doesn't sound like fun at all. Yeah, I, I used to do fantasy baseball, and I've kind of pulled off of it lately because I just don't... I have no attention span, and so, you know, like, you could set your lineup for the week because it's a daily thing, you know. Yeah, they play because every day. baseball being what it is, they're playing... Usually six out of seven days a week, and sometimes and seven out of seven. And sent down and so you know to really truly keep up with it, you got to go through and and okay, who's starting today and who's starting tomorrow and Ugh, and you got to go. Th- it, it's a daily thing, and I just don't have the attention span for it. Like football, I can go, I can preset can my lineup. Times, yeah, I can I can do my preset my lineup the Sunday before as that day's games are going on. And then take a look at things, you know, after the previous week is over and a couple like days before the week starts. Baseball, I just don't have the attention span. And every year I go, oh, okay, I'm I'm coming at it with a renewed vigor this year. and It lasts through April, kind of like the Rays and Red Sox this past season. <laughs> yeah, so. I, uh, I'm not interested to pass. So um, you did do pretty well for your picks this week. I did. Uh, I had four one. out of five. I had I missed one is because I bailed mm-hmm. on my son's godfather and chose my mm-hmm. best friend co-host, mm-hmm. and my best friend Look co-host it, let me down. Look what it got you. Yeah, like an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so um, Leilani actually was the one seed two weeks ago uh, after week twelve, I believe it was, and in consecutive weeks. Kevin put up 180 some points on her last week, and I put up 184 on her this week, so she can't catch a break. Uh, that also was actually the biggest blowout this week. I think it was her lowest point total for the season, and it was my highest. So it's like you had the extreme, you know, on both ends. 
So that made for an 80-point blowout. Uh, and surprisingly, my score was not even the highest for the week. I had 184.3, and I believe it was Steve put up 189 points. And TJ put up 160-something in that point in that matchup and still lost. So he completely missed the consolation bracket. Ha-ha. And, um, you know, for my matchup, I had 184 and that was with Terrence Williams getting zero points and Vincent Jackson on my bench getting like 21 and a half. So I could have broke 200. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, but I, I guess I can take 184 and a solid six seed in the consolation bracket. Um, Justin, as we uh, mentioned earlier, beat you. And in doing so, he jumped into the playoffs uh, as the four seed because... You know, we said last week if Justin can get two people in front of him to lose that's not named Kevin or Leilani, and he won, he would jump up based on points. Well, Kevin beat Alan, and Mike beat Jason. You know, we said last week all Jason had to do was win, and he was in. Because somebody in front of him was going to lose. And he could not beat Mike who, by virtue of when, got the last seed in the consolation bracket. And, uh, he, you know, Jason ended up falling to the, um, the sixth seed. So he wasn't even the top seed for the consolation bracket. Um, as the playoffs are now, we have Kevin, Steve, Leilani, and Justin as the one through four in the championship bracket. And the consolation bracket... It's Allen at 5, Jason 6, I'm at 7, Mike is at 8, and TJ and you, Devo, are in the League of Suck. So. Yeah, like, you can't even adjust. Like, they don't even let you play. Like, I can't even, like, get the snaps, you know? Like, I just. Yeah, they're like, listen, guy, take a hint. You know, your season's over. over. Pack it up. Hit the locker room. Hit the showers. So um, anyway, looking at the the matchups, we have uh, in the first round, Kevin is playing Justin. And uh, Kevin, you're welcome. I handed you that first seed by beating down your girlfriend. And uh, Yahoo is favoring Kevin. And I actually, I like his matchups a little better, even though Justin's got um, our arch nemesis, Tom Brady. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick Kevin. And the 2-3 matchup is Steve versus Leilani. At the moment, Steve is favored by a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Leilani. I like her matchups a little better. Um, Plus, you know, that would set up the Chris Brown versus Rihanna round three. Nice. Um, In the consolation bracket, Allen is a five seed. He's playing Mike. Currently, Mike is actually favored. I don't know how. Uh, I don't much like his team. I think it's amazing he snuck into the consolation bracket. Uh, so I'm going to pick Allen. And then in the 6-7 seed, is uh, it's Jason taking on me. Yahoo's got me favored by a little bit right now. Uh, as per the rest of the season, I'm going to go ahead and pick myself. That's actually worked out to a 500 record for me. So... You know, I, I feel confident in that. I feel like my team is peaking at the right time, uh, much like Kevin in the championship bracket is. So, um, you know, that's why I feel Kevin 
all his guys are rolling right now. He's putting up tons of points, so I think he's got a pretty good chance to run the table here in the playoffs. And uh, I feel like I'm going to run rough shot over the consolation bracket. And uh, we'll see how things go. So, I mean, that that wraps up my fantasy analysis. Um, who wins? Who wins the championship, Kevin? I think Kevin. You know, like I said, he's got his players are rolling. You know, the one week he put up 180. I think last year or last week he put up 140 or somewhere around there. So, I mean, for the last few weeks now, he's been putting up a ton of points, which you would think in fantasy, you'd say, well, it's just fantasy. How well does momentum carry over? But, I mean, those are players. You're getting those points from players in real life who are, they've got their momentum rolling. So what helps him is he's got Aaron Rodgers. And uh, that dude is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, so, he's having a career season. You know, a couple of weeks back he punked uh, our arch nemesis, Tom Brady. So, you know, he's basically, at this point, uh, he's taken the greatest of all time tag away from Tom Brady. And uh, he's he's wearing that discount double-check belt <laughs> as best quarterback in the league. So, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers at the helm, you've got a chance. I agree. This is typically where we would move to the NFL, but we're going to change it up a little bit this week. Um, we're going to move, since we're talking playoffs, playoffs, that was my uh, Jim Mora. Uh, that was spot on. I thought Jim Mora was in the room. He was. actually. You talk about playoffs? Um, we're going to move to the NCAA playoffs. Alrighty. Um, and I just I have something to say, Billy, okay. before... Go ahead. Again. The field is set. Um, we've got four teams picked. I'm going to go ahead and spoiler alert if you haven't read uh, if you haven't read the internet in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, field is set. We've got Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, and Oregon. Yep. Now, I did not have to write that down today. Do you want to know why? Why is that, Devin? Rub my face uh, in it. Because I wrote it down uh, before the season started. Yes. Five, I forwarded it down five weeks before the season started. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, impressive. The top of my page here says college football five weeks out, and I had uh, all of the winners of the uh, conferences, uh, Yeah. although I was incorrect about the American Athletic Conference. Um, USF did not win it. Of course. Uh, but I did have Alabama playing Ohio State. And I had Ohio State winning that matchup, and I had Florida State playing Oregon, Florida State winning that matchup. Um, now, in the hindsight, I'd like to change my mind. Okay. I think I think Oregon has definitely has the skills and the players to beat Florida State. Yeah. Uh, I had Florida State beating Ohio State, and then Florida State winning the title. Okay. I think it's going to be Oregon, but... Uh, I agree. I think um, the thing Oregon has going for them is, you know, they're playing in their time zone. Florida State's got to come all the way across the country to play. And Oregon State's, I know it's not a bus ride or anything down to Cali, but it, it's a shorter trip and you stay in the same time zone. So you don't have you don't have to worry about jet lag quite as much as, uh, say, the Seminoles do. Yeah, I agree. Um, Your fans are traveling a third of the distance. Yeah, yep. Um, I did want to talk about the uh, the process with how we got to the playoff field because I think the com- the committee botched the shit out of it. Um, you know, when when you and I talked about this 
before the season, and I think even when the initial rankings came out, you know, we both said this is a terrible idea to have these rankings before your final yeah, like, field is set. Because after like week six or something silly like yeah, that. Yeah. Because once you put a team in that top four, if they continue to win and they continue to win in impressive fashion, how do you tell them that you used to think they were a top four team and then the next week, oh well, yeah, you beat that other team by forty points, but we don't think you're top four team anymore. It just doesn't happen. And so this this situation that we described, you know, w- which was going to make things ugly, came to fruition. The week before conference championship uh, Saturday or conference championship weekend, uh, Tuesday night, the committee puts the field as number one Alabama, rightfully so, number two Oregon, rightfully so. Uh, they had TCU not just going to number four, but jumping Florida State and going to number three. And they bumped Florida State down to four. Five days later, uh, Alabama wins impressively, so they're still number one. That's that's a given. <clears throat> Oregon avenges their only loss of the season by like 50 points. So they're number two, and that's clear cut. There's, there's no question those are the two best teams in the country. TCU <clears throat> is up in their game 55-3. to And they get the ball back with, I think, eight, seven or eight, maybe nine minutes left. Which, at the pace they're running their offense, is plenty of time for two touchdowns. And if Gary Patterson wanted to be a douchebag, you know, he could not only score touchdowns there on those two possessions that he would have had time for, but go for two on one of them so that he could get to a nice even 70. Uh, Gary Patterson is <clears throat> the utmost professional, and so they decide they're just going to run, 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 run the ball. They get down inside the five, and on second and goal, uh, or actually third and goal, they're inside the five, they kneel the ball. Fourth and goal, they kneel the ball because they don't want to run up score any more than they already have. You know, he feels like 55-3, to three, that's impressive enough, you know, they're they're sitting at number three as it is, so you know. Granted, it was a, a two and nine team, but number four Florida State has been playing crap teams close all year. So you can't just say, "Well, it's a crap team." Of course, they beat them by fifty points because there are other teams that were up for consideration that had not done the same thing in the same situation. Um. The big beef that people had with TCU at number three, number one, Florida State fans were pissed because they're still undefeated, and they're still the defending champs, which I get. But be... they're still lucky to be yeah. at number four, at even undefeated. But I mean, it, you're not the one thing you're not going to do, even as unimpressive as they've been in in staying undefeated. You're not going to take the undefeated defending champion and not include I, them in the playoff. That has to happen. And, and to me, I would have left them at number three. Only because then if you decide you don't like TCU anymore, you're not dropping them three spots for something that was out of their control, which right. is exactly what ended up happening. Florida State moves up to number three. And, again, the big beef here with TCU at number three is Baylor is sitting at number six. Baylor beat TCU head-to-head. So their logic in having TCU where they were was Baylor played nobody out of conference. 
you know, like their out-of-conference schedule was extremely weak. TCU's wasn't great, but it was better. And Baylor lost the week after T- after they beat TCU, so they fell behind them. TCU looked impressive, winning all down the stretch. And so they had them at number three. Clearly, the head-to-head matchup at that point is not a factor. So Ohio State, and here's, here's where it throws everybody for a loop. Ohio State's playing a third-string quarterback, so most people think, well, there's a pretty good chance they could lose because Wisconsin has a good offense. They've got a pretty good defense. I think at the time it was ranked number two or something like that in the country. But, you know, they played USF, and they struggled with USF, which should tell you something. Uh, they lost to Northwestern, which a good football team wouldn't have. But you still you felt like they were going to run over Ohio State. They got the best running back in the country, all this and that. And Ohio State blasted them 59 to nothing with the third-string quarterback. So I'm impressed. I get it. But after the games were played, and you know Baylor was at number six, and they beat TCU or uh, Kansas State, who I think was you know like number nine or something at the time, and they beat them by one or two possessions. They beat them comfortably enough that it's an impressive win. After the games were played, I objectively look at it and go, okay. Your number, your top four seeds, all all the top six win. Your top four seeds, Florida State's the only one that didn't put up over fifty points. Um, TCU only allowed three points. They won by fifty-two, and they could have won by seventy, and they chose not to. They chose to do the sportsmanlike thing and ease up off the gas, which I respect the crap out of, knowing full well that style points. Or what's or what's driving these rankings? They decided to ease up off the gas and show some class. So you know, I'm thinking it sucks for Ohio State because they they fully deserve to be there. Yeah, they have the worst loss out of all the top six teams in Virginia Tech in their own house by you know double digits. But where they've come from since then has been pretty damn impressive. Michigan State when they went into um, into Michigan State, uh, the town's escaping me at the, at the time, but uh, they went to Michigan State's own house and kicked the shit out of them when they were a top ten team. You know, at that time, their only loss was to Oregon, which is impressive. And they've run rough shot over everybody else. Uh, Michigan played them pretty close, but that's a rivalry game, so anything's possible. And then they go into the Big Ten title game and just completely dominate Wisconsin in, in every way, shape, and form. The offense did what they wanted. Uh, Wisconsin didn't do anything offensively against Ohio State's defense. So it was it was your ideal team win. Like you, you've shown that as a team, you are strong enough to overcome losing not just one Heisman caliber quarterback but also a second one. And in one week, got the third stringer ready to go and just straight flattened Wisconsin. So I thought, it's tough luck for Ohio State. I think they deserve to be there, but you can't tell TCU they were number three five days ago. And right, nothing they, changed. They put up 55 points. They didn't look any less impressive. You can't drop them out. There's no way you can do it. 
And my first thought was, this is why you don't have the rankings. This is why you don't do it until the field is chosen. When the basketball committee gets together in March, that's the only time they put out the rankings is when they set the brackets out. And that's it. And you can you can bicker and, and battle and bitch and moan all you want when that comes out, but that's it. And you don't have have this process, you know, some of the analysts have their formulas, but that's it. That's as close as you come to having a concrete idea of what's going on. The committee then doesn't have to defend themselves on, well, we thought this two weeks ago, and now we think this instead. Because here's another beef. Not only did TCU not make it into the top four, Ohio State took their spot. TCU didn't end up at number five, which would have been the next spot out of the top four. No, they got jumped by Baylor. And the committee's reasoning was the head-to-head matchup outweighed the strength of scheduling. That head-to-head matchup has been in place since October. Baylor beat TCU in October. That didn't change in the remaining weeks in October. That didn't change all the way through November. That didn't change until the first week in December when you had TCU at number three. That was there for over half the season. Why now does it all of a sudden matter at the end of the, at the, end of the season? Why? Because Baylor beat Kansas State? So did TCU, and TCU did it in more impressive fashion. So you can't tell me now all of a sudden Baylor looks more impressive, and now the head-to-head matters. Give me a break. It's because they have a, they're a small market. And, and that see, that was a lot of people's conjecture was that Ohio State and Florida State and the teams they got in, they've got more tradition. They're, they're football-wise, they have more tradition of being – big powerhouses and there's more money behind them uh some said that you know they basically said ohio state played in a in the championship game for their conference their conference champions they deserve to be there and so the big 12 basically got punished because they didn't have a championship game but again you just five days ago, knowing this was a possibility, thought TCU was the number three team in the country. And again, they won by 50 points by choice. They could have won by 70. They won by 50 points by choice. And you're going to tell them now that you don't think they're the number three team. And not only not number three, but not even top five. Now they're six. So the whole process to me is flawed. You know, if you thought Ohio State was that impressive... Put them in the rankings. You can't just say, well, we're going to put them at number five and then you know, we'll wait and see what happens with this third-string quarterback. If you think they're that good a team, put them in there. Don't play the games where, you know, well, we think they could be the number three team or the number four team, but we're not sure. We're going to wait and see how their quarterback plays. And don't change the narrative. You know, the whole Big 12 thing. Don't you tell them all season, well, it might not matter that they have a champion. They don't have a championship game. Well, clearly it did. You punished them for not having a championship game. And you punished them for the, the, the team they played in the last week of the season. That's not under their control. Right. That The conference made that schedule. You know, like, 
TCU was a four-win team last year, so they probably looked at the schedule and said, hmm, four-win TCU, Iowa State, yeah, let's get the last two credit teams and just get it out of the way. There's no way they thought TCU would be in a position for the the college football playoff. No way. Or they would have had them play somebody like, um, I don't know, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, one of the, you know, the conference blue bloods, you know, it, it, I just, it it baffles me. You know, like I feel terrible for TCU because they did nothing wrong. You know, going into the weekend, the narrative was they're number three. As long as they don't struggle, air quotes, struggle with Iowa State, they're fine. They'll be in. As long as they take care of business like they should, they'll be in. And they did. They took care of business. They should be in. That's not a knock on Ohio State. But Ohio State was five before the weekend, and they had a hell of an impressive win. They've also still got the ugliest loss out of the top six. And again, they weren't in the top four going into the weekend. When everybody wins, and everybody wins in impressive fashion, it should stay the same. Yeah, how can it change if nothing, if, you know, all things are equal, why would it change? Yeah, exactly. And, and again, the other thing that irks me is that Going into the weekend, the Baylor head-to-head win over TCU didn't matter, and you had Baylor at number six, and now, all of a sudden, after the weekend, now you've pulled your head out of your ass, and now the head-to-head matters more than strength of schedule. Again, that game, that result, has been there since October. And you've thrown it out the window since October, and now, all of a sudden, it matters. Because now you have to come up with an excuse to push TCU farther from the top four. You have to come up with an excuse as to, you know, just another excuse as to why they're not a top four team. Well, because Baylor beat them head-to-head. Baylor's closer to the playoffs than TCU is. It's bullshit. And, you know, like I said at the beginning of this tirade, (laughs) if you don't have the rankings starting in midseason and coming up to this point, None of this matters. You come out with the final four, and it's Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, and Ohio State. Nobody's complaining. Because TCU then doesn't know that they were sitting at number three and got left out after beating a team by 50 points, pulling off the gas. You don't have them knowing that they were ahead of Baylor despite the head-to-head win by Baylor and that not mattering until the final week. None of that matters. None of, none of that is known. So you don't have this big uproar over it. So I, I would give it another year or two. If it's like this again, you'll start hearing the, uh, the crowds with their, with their torches and pitchforks calling for eight teams. Um, the Big 12 may look to expand by two if they can't get the waiver to run a championship game with 10 teams. Uh, they may choose to wait it out another couple years because going into the weekend, if Florida State and Ohio State lost, which was a very real possibility, the Big 12 would have had two teams in in the four-team playoff field. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the process changes too. If they go, you know what? Coming out with midseason rankings was a really bad idea. You know, it, it's easier to justify leaving a team out 
if you haven't told them the week before that they were in. And right, as long as they take care of business. Too. Yeah. So that that's where my beef lies with it. I I don't care for it. Um, you know, we even called this back when the season started that this was going to be a terrible idea. You know, and even and again at the midseason when they came out with the first rankings, we said this is going to be a bad idea. They they really shouldn't do this. Um, I mean, it's a great talking point sure. if you want you want to give the gas bags something to talk about. But other than that, it's just I mean, stupid. ESPN is clearly invested in this bowl uh, playoff deal, so you know they they needed something to talk about. I wouldn't be surprised if they push up the old preseason, push it up to preseason, like before it even starts. Oh, it looks like Florida State's in the playoffs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's move on to South Florida. Okay. Uh, you thought you thought there was no news for them, but there is. Um, Billy and I have uh, found out that the they have fired the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And the defensive backs coach as well. Oh, good. Defensive backs coach. Yeah. yeah. Cause too, much, uh, too much targeting by Dunkley. Um, the problem that I have with this announcement is that it was also coupled with like a, a foundational offense change. Yeah. And it irks me and irritates me, and I'm going to let Billy talk about it. Why? Because you're afraid you're going to let off a, a tirade of curses? No, I just, you know, it makes me lose faith in Willie. So, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. They they want to move to the spread offense. Yeah. And so for the last two years, we've been running pro-style offense. You know, fullback, tailback, uh, tight end. Two tight two, end. Yeah. And um, and a pocket passing. And I love it. I personally think that's the way to go. I think if you're going to get recruits that want to play in the NFL, you should run an NFL-style system. I sure. We've got great running backs. we got, you know, decent tight ends. we got a uh, good fullback. I mean, like, we're set up now after we, you know, drudge through running the pro-style offense with uh, spread personnel. Uh, now I feel like we're kind of regressing, you know, like, where yeah. we have the personnel to run a pro offense, but we're gonna run, you know we're gonna try and cram this square peg into this round hole, sure. um, so that we can you know impress the you know the twenty five fans that are in the stands. So, sure. um, I know you had some insights, sir. I am disappointed. You know, I feel like it hurts me in my heart. Um, but but you were you know you were able to kind of talk me off the ledge a little bit. Yeah. Well, here, I'll say one thing before I kind of explain why I think these things went down, how I've kind of seen it from what's on the Internet, what's being said, um, you know, on recruiting sites and and by some of the guys that cover USF. Um, I will say it would be easier to go from a power offense to a spread offense if it's a, a passing-based spread offense something similar to Texas Tech with Mike Leach. Um, if they're looking to make his own read option switch, spread switch, I, I don't know that it'll be that easy to make the switch. But if we're just going straight to passing spread, you know, we're going to run four wide and we're going to slant and crossing route and occasionally a deep route and beat you to death with the slants and stuff, I I think it'll be an easier transition because, you know, 
you just have to worry about the receivers running the right routes. Um, we have receivers. We have some receivers with with some speed and stuff. Uh, we've got a couple guys that redshirted this season that you know can make things happen in space. I think it might it might even help Marlon Mack because you spread the defense out. I mean, he's got speed. You give him one lane and he's gone. So you know it may help him in that respect. Uh, Dearness Johnson, I think one of his his strongest traits as a running back is his hands. You know, catching out of the backfield. Uh, Kennard Swanson, the fullback, I, they'll find a way to use him. He's too good not to. Yeah, he's good. Um, you know, he's got good hands. That, that's the thing is at least out of the backfield, you've got a handful of guys that have good hands. And and hopefully the receivers start using some stickum. you know, and the drop stop. Because if the drop stop, we've got receivers that can play. You know, it's just a matter of them getting open and the quarterback finding them. And the good thing for Mike White would be that if we're running the spread offense, you know, and we're we're passing and running these quick slants and stuff, is he doesn't have to worry about the line holding up for five seconds to run these deep, you know, long progressing routes. Um, you know, three-step drop and hit the slant, get it done and over with. He's not going to get maybe hit as much. Um so I I think going from the pro offense, and I don't think it's going to be just a straight transition like this year we're running two tight ends with a fullback and a halfback and then one wide out, you know, a majority of the time to just straight four wide with a tight end, you know, empty backfield and, and throw all over the place. I think it will be some still pro elements. I wouldn't be surprised to see some pistol, you know, to yeah, keep Swanson cool. on the field with the halfback. And, um, you know, that still gives you, you can still run some spread elements out of the pistol. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do something like that, like a, a spread, a pistol type spread. Um, but uh, I think just, it would be, I think it would be easier to go from, from the pro style to, you know, as long as it's a passing based spread offense, you know, not zone read. Cause Mike White's not running zone read. And Quentin Flowers isn't going to put fear in anybody as a passer just yet. I think he can get there, but he's not there yet. So I think as long as they go to a, a passing-based spread system, uh, keep Mike White as a starter, I think it can be successful. Um, the reason I think it's happening, um, the general feeling from some of the people covering the team is that you know, Mark Harlan, the AD, sat down with Willie Taggart for their end-of-season meeting, and he's kind of putting some heat on him. And I, I don't know that he necessarily told him, fire all your guys, or, you know, you're out the door too, or if he just, you know, gave him a, a strongly worded message that said, improve or you're out. You know, what's, what's, work, what's running right now isn't working. Uh, the biggest thing for him... And I think this is something some of the guys covering the team have come away with is that Harlan's sick of losing ugly. It's it's one thing if you're losing, but it's an exciting game. You know, you've got a, a 45-42 style game. You got a shootout. Um, it's another thing to lose 17 to 13, 13 to 10, 16 to nothing. You know, where you're just not putting any points on the board. There's very few moments of excitement coming from the offense. 
Um, the defense, I, I, our third down defense has been terrible. Terrible. We had to be one of the worst third down defenses in the country this year. And a lot of that is playing the soft zone crap. And the soft zone crap is what got Skip Holtz and crew fired. Because that's how we blew so many games under Skip Holtz. So I think with the defensive coordinator hire, they'll go with someone aggressive. Uh, offensive coordinator, they're going to find someone who's got some spread experience to help that transition. So any 12-year-old with an Xbox? Well, it could be, but you know, there's a big difference from running four wide sets and quick slants and stuff on, on Xbox because that can be stopped in real life. I You look at Gus Malzahn... In the spread he's running with Auburn, there's no 12-year-old running that spread. That's true, and Leach has a good spread that he runs. Yeah, so, I mean, you find the right guy to run run the, the spread and right. find someone young with, with a keen offensive mind who's willing to do something new, it could work. But I don't know that, that firing the coordinators was necessarily Taggart's idea. Yeah, uh, I just either he's. Window. Either he's being told to or he's trying to save his ass. And I, I don't know that either is necessarily a great situation. Yeah. Um, if it was Harlan, you know, coming down and saying, you know, cut this guy, cut that guy, and you need to make this change, I'm worried that he might Jerry Jones the program. But I I have faith because he, he knows what he wants, and he's got a lot of faith. You know, he's got a lot of uh, – he loves the university, he thinks the university has a lot of promise, and he wants to see it do better than it's doing, which is more than we can save for the last AD. Um, so I think he's doing things with the best interest of the program in mind. Uh, I just fear that if he made him fire the coordinators or you know, kind of put this heat on him, that he's forcing a lame duck situation where maybe the teams that are best candidates... Right. You know, they won't want to come here because there's a possibility that it's one and done and they're looking for a new job next December. Um, I do think, as I said earlier when we were talking before the show, I think sometimes the, the, the way to get the best out of somebody is to put them in a situation that's, you know, they're out of their comfort zone. You know, Taggart is a smart football mind. He didn't lose that when he came to Tampa. It's just... What he's running right now isn't working. And maybe if he had another year or two, it would work. You know, it, the general consensus when he took this job was this is not a one- or two-year turnaround. You know, he had a four-year contract, and you, you had to think most people thought he had at least three years to get it turned around. Right. And get it moving in the right direction. I mean, I would even say five years because of your red shirts. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he lost that fire. I don't think he lost his his football acumen. Uh, he's come a long way in a short time period. Um, so I think maybe putting him in a situation where he's not in his comfort zone, he's he's got to you know work with the spread a little bit and and come up with something that works out of that. It, who knows? That may light a fire in him, and you know he may come up with something here that just blows us all away. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, we'll win six you know, games next year. I'm I'm going to keep the faith. I you know again I don't think we're just going to make the hard switch straight to the spread. I think there'll be some kind of transition, uh, whether it's you know we put in some spread elements this year 
and we win enough to keep Taggart around and, and we go full spread the next year, or if it's, you know, we start off with some spread elements early and by season's end we're running full spread. Who knows? I got you. But okay. I, th- I think there's there's no no need to jump off the ledge yet. Like I told you the other night, um, I'll wait to see who they hire for the two coordinator positions before I completely lose my mind. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, again, I'm the eternal optimist, and I think everything's going to work out all the time. So, uh, I hope so. On um, a more positive USF note, uh, Marlon Mack, the running back we were talking about earlier, was the uh, conference rookie of the year. He was nice. also first team all conference at running back, joining Matthias uh, Chiabati Bread, um, who was the first team punter. And that was it for USF. Uh, Andre Davis got an honorable mention. And we had one other player I can't think of off the top of my head got an honorable mention. But Andre Davis probably would have you know, been in if he hadn't missed so many games this year. Yeah, that was the problem is he missed, I think, four games or four and a half games. So, yeah. I mean, one game with like one catch. Like, yeah, the first game of the season, he had one catch at the end of the half, and that was it until, you know, the Tulsa game, I think. Yeah. And one catch in that game, and you know, um, over that, even missing that time, he finished the season with almost forty catches and like five hundred something yards and seven touchdowns. So I mean, project that over a full season, and he would have done some good things. He probably would have been at the very least second team, but who knows? Nice. Well, congratulations, Marlon. Yeah, it's good to get some positive USF news. So you want to move? You want to move to NFL? Sure, let's do it. I uh, wanted to mention Cam Newton uh, was okay. involved. Was that today or yesterday? Yesterday, right? It was today. It was today in a horrible car accident. Or actually, his, yeah, it was yesterday. His yeah, he, Tuesday. He drives a big four by four Chevrolet truck. Yeah. And uh, apparently, he got t boned by a much smaller car, but it ended up rolling his car. Yeah. Um, I saw a picture of it, dude. It is mashed up. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he has fractured two vertebrae in his back. Yeah. Uh, yep. And he maybe has some concussion symptoms. Yeah, but long term, he'll be okay. That's what they're saying. He's got a good... He's a young guy, so uh, we'll wish him a speedy recovery. I know he did some stupid stuff when he was younger, um, but I recently have just really enjoyed the guy. Um, yeah. I like his interviews. I like, you know, when he did uh, the old Donkey Kong Sioux uh game interviews um so i really like the guy and hope he uh hope he heals up well absolutely um johnny manzel got some johnny manzel news back yeah in. getting his first start this is good so. news too this isn't like you know cocaine in the bathroom or uh you know th- that kind of stuff or signing autographs uh, illegally it's good stuff so he's he's gonna pick up a start yeah so good luck to him um and the buccaneers are poised for the first overall pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, you said it best. There is a logjam of teams uh, with two wins. Yeah. I think there's five or six teams with two and 11 records. I, good Lord, man. Yeah. Before I looked, I, I, you know, I thought it was just the Bucks, the Jags, and the, uh, the Raiders. Um, but it looks like also the, uh, Jets. Jets and the Titans. And the Titans have all have two wins, but the Buccaneers threw... Various tiebreakers have proven that they are the worst team in the league. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at this point, we need to lose. Yeah, just lose the last couple games. Don't get cute. How do? You, yeah, I mean, I you don't you know we're not going for it on fourth down anymore. Let's no. Let's take the fake punts out of the book. Yeah, um, I don't know how the coach can coach his guys to lose games. Like, uh, but you know, maybe you get some of the younger guys some snaps in there. You know, give some of the older guys some time off. Yeah. Um, but good luck to you, Buccaneers, to uh, lose the rest of your games out. Yeah, the the suck for Winston campaign. That's right. Doesn't rhyme right, but you know, whatever. Suck for Mariota. Maybe. Not Winston, please not Winston. <laughs> please not Winston. Um, <sighs> how about MLB? You want to talk a little MLB? Sure. I well, I. You're gonna have to go. I, you have like seriously like five minutes to get okay, it off your chest. Can you do it? Don't rush me, bro. <laughs> um, John Lester signed John with the Cubs. Lester. He signed with the Cubs, and it's not too shocking. When they traded him at midseason, I felt like that was it. He took the full-page ad out in the Boston Herald or Boston Globe or whatever. I felt like that was it. He wasn't coming back. Why would he take that ad out if he was coming back? Right. Um, I feel like he maybe used the Red Sox for financial leverage with other teams. As he should, as any good agent would. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he said it came down to the Red Sox and Cubs. I don't know that it ever really came down to the Red Sox. And here's why. Larry Lucchino, who's the president and CEO of the Red Sox, is the fucking devil. <laughs> he's the devil. The dump, the dump button. Yeah. If Tom Warner, I think it's, is it Tom Warner, John Warner, whoever the, the owner is, John Henry, uh, if he gave a shit about winning, he would kick Lucchino to the curb. Every big baseball decision that this franchise has made since Lucchino's been there has been terrible, has been screwed up by Lucchino because he's a dickhead. In 2005, when Theo Epstein almost left as GM, it was because Larry Lucchino is a dickhead. Almost pushed the best young mind in baseball, out of the franchise. In the process, ended up losing Johnny Damon to the Yankees. Losing our Jesus Christ to the evil empire. Thank you, Larry. Uh-huh. Uh, 2011, chases Theo right on out the front door to, uh, to Chicago. 2012, actually, end of 2011, and into 2012, they fire Frank Kona. Uh, ben Sherrington, the new GM, wants to hire Dale Spam, who was a, a bench coach or something for the Brewers. Instead, uh, genius Larry Lucchino says, no, hire Valentine. So they hire Valentine and put up the worst season since, like, the 1800s for the Red Sox. <laughs> nice. Immediately. After the Since season, the, Civil the, War. the day the season ended, Bobby Valentine is out the door. And then they let Ben Harrington hire who he wants, and they go and get John Farrell from the Blue Jays. And what do you know? They won a World Series because he's a good coach. He's not Bobby Valentine, who sucks ass. So I don't know that there's anything official, but I have a pretty good feeling that the low ball offer the Sox put out in spring training to Lester, four years, $70 million, which he said he's willing to take a discount, and I think they fully took advantage of that, or tried to. 
They offered him four years for $17.5 million. For a guy who's won two World Series with your oh, squad. you said 17. I thought you said 70. I was like, that's no, so seven, bad. It was, it was four years for 70 total. Gotcha. It was 17.5 mil a year. Uh, still good money. Not ace of your franchise money. The right. guy who's won two World Series came up through the franchise. He's homegrown. He's the best pitcher they've had come through their system that they just let walk since Roger Clemens. Um, the kid had cancer, overcame cancer, came back to the team, and became an ace. And you lowball him. And I have every, every reason to believe that Larry Lucchino is at the heart of that. Because he's a cheap piece of shit. And he's the devil. He's the goddamn devil. Well, and I just think, it, once they made that offer, Lester was not signing here. Because it's the ultimate disrespect. The right. guy tells you you're gonna take, he's going to take a, a hometown offer, so you try to abuse that. Yeah. Yep. Friends pay retail, just so you, you know. You can't give your ace under market value by that much. He's a, at least a $20 million a year player for your franchise. Maybe he wouldn't have got that from a, another team with an extension. Uh, the Yankees would have gave it to him. He ended up signing for $25 million a year. You could have had him for less than you offered him in free agency if you didn't disrespect him. Right. And that's on Larry Lucchino because he's a dickhead. He has to have it his way, whether it's right or wrong. And nine times out of ten, it's wrong. In the ten years since we won the first World Series, 2004, we won again in 2007, we won again in 2013. If it wasn't for Larry Lucchino, we could have won in 05, we could have won in 06, we could have won in 08, 09, 10, 11, who knows? We could have had four or five World Series in that time, but Larry Lucchino's a dickhead and has to meddle. He just has to have his hands in everything, and I can't stand it. The day he leaves the Red Sox franchise, I might throw a party for everybody in Boston <laughs> nice. to come down to my house and let's just get shit-faced drunk. Let's have a party. Yeah, let's celebrate like it's a goddamn funeral, like like the biggest asshole on the planet just died. Have a worldwide celebration. Can't wait. The the That's day funny. he leaves can't come soon. Can't come soon enough. I hate him. I hate him. Let me say again, I hate him. I can't stand him. Anyway, <laughs> I'm done because so Joe, Joe Madden strikes first, huh? Like he, uh, you think that was a Joe Madden guy? Like he was like, no, go get that guy. No, that was a that was a Theo Epstein guy because he was with the Red Sox and he gotcha. knew. I guarantee you, and it, someone for the Boston Globe wrote this article. I guarantee you, he used Larry Lucchino against the Red Sox in negotiations with Lester, and said, "Oh, he lowballed you. He lowballed me too. He's the reason I left the franchise. Right? He's why I'm here you know, with the Cubs. I, I, yeah. He's like, like I know manager. that. Yeah. He goes, I know that feel, bro. Come, you know, yeah, come, come sign with me." Those. Let's break the curse. I know what it's like with that dickhead. Let's be legends. So, yeah. um, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, got some great news. You know, amongst the terrible news of losing their you know ace manager and them basically clearing house other than Longo, um, they got permission to explore Hillsborough County for a potential stadium sites. That's huge for the area, not just the Rays, but the area as a whole. I agree. Um, I'm really excited to see what comes next 
Yeah, because um, if they come up with a spot in town, they stay. And if they don't, they're gone. Yeah, it's some the Charlotte point Rays, gone. or it's the Toronto Rays, or, you know... Yeah, the, the Las Vegas Rays. Yeah, right, exactly. It's some other small market. Or even the Montreal a, Rays. So that was, exactly, that can sell how do you say How do you say Rays in French? Uh, I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> um... If they don't so, get a stadium soon, you may find out. One of their sites I read in the paper is right across the street from my office. Um, I my office is on the tenth floor. So how yeah. cool would that be to work late and see or like a, have a nooner and just be able to look down at the stadium? That'd be so cool. So yeah, absolutely. And plus, I'd be able to park because I have a parking pass. So yeah, and I hope you guys, uh, you know, I hope for you guys and and all of our friends that are race fans that they do get something done. You know, yeah, and I, even as a baseball fan, it, it's nice to have a stadium that close. It's nice to have a team in Tampa because, you know, I lived a, 10 years in Tampa. So if I want to go to see a Major League Baseball game, I drive an hour over the, the causeway or whatever and, and go see it. Come stay with me. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it's good for the area. It, and I'm, I I hope for you guys and all of our other friends that are race fans that it works out, that they find something. Because it would be terrible for the market to lose this franchise. I agree. Because it never comes back after this. If no. they lose this franchise, baseball doesn't come back to Tampa. Not never, because we got the Yankees. There's too many Yankees fans here. Yeah. Um, I and plus I am excited because I want to see what features are going to be in the new stadium. You know, like mm-hmm. um, me and you were talking, and we both agree that it should be on the water. Like absolutely, I feel like the big wide, you know, blimp shots and like those big wide angles. It it has to be on the yeah. It has to be it's on the water. Tampa. It's Tampa Bay. Right. It has you have to have it you have to take advantage of that. It has to be on the water. Like I love like in San Francisco when they hit home runs that like all those guys in the kayaks are out there waiting. Like that's so cool. Yeah. So I would love to see it on the water. Um and even the mayor said he would put enough dirt in the bay to build them an their own island if they needed it, so Sure. I think I think that the the will is there, now we just have to find the way, you know? Absolutely. Um, so that's good. Let's um, let's transition out of sports and into our non-sports discussion. We're going to say uh, this week is who would win in a fight. Yes, we haven't done this in a while. No, we haven't. And I think um, we may not have done this since like first week, second week. I've got a. You're right because I remember my big one was Jason Bourne versus uh, John McClane. Yeah. Uh, the assassin versus the brawler. Anyway, um, do you want to go first? I've got, I've got three. You've got three. You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I'll back clean uh, up. This one, uh, my first one, is based on a movie that we know is going to come in the works um, down the line, another few years, uh, and that would be um, Captain America: Civil War. Uh-huh. Who would win in a fight? Iron Man versus Captain America. Oh wow! Okay. Um, give me Iron Man. Okay. Yep, I'm going to take Tony Stark. I'm going to take the brains over the brawn. Okay. So I, uh, I in that situation, I I can't rule out Cap. I just you, can't. You got to go old Steve Rogers, huh? Yeah, he's got the heart of a champion, you know? Yeah, he doesn't give up. You're right. Um, exactly. But I He'd still, find a way. I still think even Tony Stark is too smart. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I feel like if anyone's if anyone can do it besides Hulk, it's got to be it's Tony. I suppose I I can't go against Cap. Okay, I got gotcha. you. 
Um, how about uh, your favorite um, vice president baseball, uh, Lou uh, Lucerno? Yeah, sir. Sure, <laughs> Lucino. Lucino, same thing. Uh, versus Corvette guy. Uh, Corvette guy. <laughs> also, not new Corvette guy because the new Corvettes are badass. I'm talking about '80s Barbie uh, Corvette. Yeah, I Rock Z guy. <laughs> yes, with his mullet and his like faded black polo that says Corvette. Yeah. You know, it's like been through the washer so many times. It's like kind of shrunk around the logo. At this point, I would take the little kid in, in uh, a Christmas story to <laughs> to beat down Larry Lucchino. Lucchino. Bastard. Uh, All right. My number two is a, a battle of the bucks. Who would win in a fight? Mike Glennon, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, versus <laughs> Josh McCown and his uh, spiked blonde tips. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, Arma Glennon versus McCown. I'm going to take McCown. Yeah. I think he's got weight. I think Glennon's got reach on him. Yeah. Uh, I see. But, I, I would lean towards McCown because he's, he's got experience, man. He's been around for a while. And yeah, plus but, he's yeah. got those sweet spiked ice tips. Yeah, you know, the guy does look like the lost singer from 98 Degrees, now that you mention it. <laughs> O-Town. Uh, Nick Lachey and his long lost <laughs> yeah, brother so. Josh McClown. <laughs> Josh McClown. Yep, I love awesome. Boys for Now or whatever the name of their band would have been. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, I've got a new one. Um, how about um, Lucino versus the guy who talks in the movie theater? The guy who talks in the movie theater. Doesn't no, matter. I'd take the guy who got shot for texting in the movie theater over Lucino. <laughs> awesome. What was his name? Chad Olson or something like that? I'd I'd even take him over Lucino. That's dickhead. Funny. Okay. Well, I hate him. That was the last that was the last Lucino uh one I had for you. Okay. Uh my last one here would actually I think be a uh pretty interesting. Um it would be a battle of two big time radio hosts who could actually be battling in the mornings very soon, uh, who would you take in a fight, Mike Calta or Bubba the Love Sponge? I I think in the battle of the ratings, Bubba will probably win. But I okay. think in like a real live fight, I got to go Mike Calta. Yeah. The old cowhead. He's bigger. I think Bubba's kind of a... I don't say he's kind of a bitch because he could probably beat me up. Um, yeah. But Mike Kelt is a big dude. Yeah. Well, I, I think they're both big dudes. The thing for me, I, I'm pretty sure Bubba, you know, did some kind of MMA training for a little while with yeah, his, uh, his with gym. That, uh, Gracie, Hoist Gracie guy. Yeah. But I think, you know, Mike Kelt has got that, like, Long Island, you know, New Yorker, dickhead attitude i was listening to him the other day about like how he would get his money back some guy called asked the dom for how we should get nine grand back from this guy loaned it to and mike was like full-on like old jersey mobster like let's go kill him you know 
Yeah, like, oh, I tell him 24 hours, I want my money, and then at the 23rd hour, show up and wrap his wife's hand in a towel and smash her fingers with a hammer <laughs> to let him know he's for real. So, oh, you know, man. he's got that, that old school, you know, Jersey mobster mentality. I think you can't really it, roll that out in a, in a didn't he barroom be a brawl. Bouncer? I feel like he, he was like been. a bouncer like when he was in college or something, like when he was a kid. I believe um, it. He's a big dude. Yeah, so I would take, definitely give me Calta. And I, I think Calta's show is better than Bubba's show. Bubba's show, to me, feels contrived and sure. kind of, you know, like he makes fun of, like, the, you know, the zookeeper nut hut shows. And that's kind of what he is. Right, and I feel like, you know, with all of the people on his show, with the the token black guy and, you know, the, the make-believe old guy and, uh, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> It's just like it's too much. You think Ned's not real? No, he's not real. It's Manson. It's got to be. I've seen he's he threw the first pitch at a race game. Yeah, it's. Uh, did you hear him talk? I'm pretty sure he did. I wasn't there live, yeah. but I saw it. I don't think. Are so. you saying that was a puppet or animatronics? Yes. Mm-hmm. I am. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Tupac Fair had enough. a concert in Coachella with Snoop, so it's <laughs> possible. <laughs> <laughs> so you think they came up with a hologram just for Ned? Could have been a hologram, a Ned Mandinko hologram. Just I just made it up. Gotcha. Like, can you picture that old man singing songs and stuff? I mean, come on. Ugh. Um. All right. So I got uh, one more. Okay. Um. Actually, maybe two more. I don't know. We'll see what you think. Okay. Cam Newton versus the roof of his truck. Uh, I think Cam Newton actually. Win that fight. I think you're he's, right. He's still around. That roof took a beating. Uh, that and, truck's uh, going night night. Cam Newton took two slave fractures to the back, so I think he won. Ray Rice versus Adrian Peterson. I, Adrian Peterson, are you kidding? Really, you think AP could take Ray Rice? Ray Listen, Rice I, boy. Ray Rice is thick for sure, but he's like 5'10 and 220. And may, I don't even know if he's 220, maybe 210. AP is like 6'2". And like 240 pounds. And here's the big thing. AP's from like down south Texas, man. (laughs) You know? Yep. Okay. I think we all saw those markings. That could have been Ray Rice. Yeah. Especially if he was, what if he was actually mad? Like he actually loves, like AP loves his son. What if he hates Ray Rice? (laughs) Can you imagine? I wouldn't be on, I I would never want to be on that dude's bad side. Ever. Awesome. So. Ever. And Ray Rice could have been the one bent over his knee. He's small enough. Right. He's a short little dude. You come tell Uncle Adrian right now. Yeah. So absolutely, um, get him with the switch. That's uh, that's about all we've got. Okay. Moving a little bit long. I'm at like an hour and two minutes, so I apologize for that. Um, ah. But I do have a quote. Um, and we may actually throw. Well, we might do two quotes. Cause I'm gonna do my quote, and then we may throw a, a junior quote on the end of this thing too. Um, this one I've got is not a rap lyric. It's from Walter Payton, The Sweetness. Okay. And he says, when you're good at something, you'll tell everyone. When you're great at something, they'll tell you. So. Absolutely. Kind of like, act like you've been there. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, oh, we've got, uh, a new writer on Foul Weather Fans. Make sure you check that out. Um, I was just going to say. Potentially, we've got a third and fourth rider uh, coming online here soon. So 
Yeah, the um, fourth may be if, uh, if yeah, Devin ever if writes have, something. If the co-host ever gets off of his lazy ass and gets in there, um, I would be the sure. fourth writer. Um, but we could be uh-huh. looking at a third and fourth writer. So uh, please yeah. stay we, tuned for that. We do have a piece up on, uh, on Foul Weather fans from uh, my good buddy, godfather of my son, Justin Kaminichak. So <laughs> get on there and check it out. Um, he's thinking about becoming a, a uh, permanent contributor. And yep. we're happy to have him. So. Also, uh, Jason Yeckley, he had uh, guest hosted on the show at one point. Um, yep. He's uh, a Graham of Whedon in the Fantasy League. You can find him on, uh, he's on the Twitter machine. Uh, I think his, it's like Yeck 7 like J-A-Y-Y-E-C-D-O-U-B-L-E-O-H-7. Something like that. Yeah, I'm. I I can never remember what his his Twitter name J- is. Jason Yak, J Yak, J Yak Seven, Oh Seven O Seven Zero Seven One. I gotta look it up. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'd have to look we'd it have up. to look it up. Anyway, sure. if, you know, if you if you really can't find it, just call me. I'll, I'll look it up for you. Uh, if you're really absolutely. Uh, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll catch up with you next week, the week before Christmas. Absolutely, and uh, as a send off here. Uh, we'll let my son tell you what he thinks about you and your mom. Enjoy it, and we'll see you next week, guys. See you guys. You and your mom and Barry. That's one of the doctors.